I am preaching to you a series on famous sayings. There is certainly a famous saying in this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. But the famous saying is not the biggest point of the message. It gets us started. The biggest point of the message is found later in that same passage where David is shown mercy. And I can't speak for you, but if it's not for mercy, we're all in trouble. If it's not for grace, if it's not forgiveness, if it's not for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we're, we're in trouble. And you remember the Old Testament saints look forward to the cross for salvation. The New Testament saints look backward in faith for salvation. And David certainly was a saved individual. But David was a, a sinner. And he was chosen to be the king of Israel because the Bible says he longed. He, he was a man after God's own heart. God said that about David. Oh, my goodness. Would to the Lord that he would say that about all of us. That person is a person that desires me above everything. I had a person sitting in my office this week. This is one of the reasons I'm so jazzed and excited and my cup is full. And he said, Brother Ben, and he pointed to the Bible on my desk, that's what it's about. That's what it's all about. And this was a 30-something-year-old man in church. I hope we can all say that. This book and who and what this book stands for is what life is all about. And David knew that. But all oh, that fateful passage, a few chapters before this chapter, when kings go to war, David stayed home. When kings go to war, David stayed home. And then in that same passage, it tells the fateful story of David stepping out on his veranda, if you will, and he saw Bathsheba. And he made the poorest choice of his life. And he just kept making poor choices. Now, church, in a figurative sense, we are in a war for the souls of men, women, boys, and girls. We are in an absolute war. And we, as soldiers of the cross, cannot afford to proverbially stay home. And get involved in, if you will, just pleasing ourselves with whatever we find to please ourselves in this world. We've got to be in the trenches and on the front line. Because, watch this, when we stay home, we get into mess. The devil comes. Finish this for me if you can. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Idle hands. My goodness. And so there's a war going on. We as a church are commissioned to reach our world with the gospel of Christ. And please hear me. I believe I'm preaching to the choir. I believe that's the reason you're here this morning. You're trying to be on the front lines. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. I just, I believe this famous saying sermon is to encourage sinners. That's the title of the message. Encourage sinners. Because, oh my goodness. If we're not careful, we can get into a mess. 
And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with this passage, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. So the sin has already happened. He has committed adultery with Bathsheba. He has uh, covered up the fact that she is pregnant with trying to bring Uriah home and have him be the father of the child. Uriah had more character than David did, and Uriah would not sleep with his wife, nor would he stay in the lavish provision of his home while his men were on the front line dying. He had more character than David, and so he had Uriah killed. We'll get more into that here in just a minute. And so Nathan has come, the prophet of God. And I'm going to tell you, church, I can't imagine. And Nathan did exactly what needed to be done. Here it is. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, drank of his own cup, lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, this is the famous saying, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon, Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house. Can you imagine hearing that? Because thou hast despised me. See, it used to be said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. Now God is saying, you despise me, David. Has taken the wife of Uriah and Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Nathan said, behold, I will raise up evil. I will rise up evil against thee out of thine own house. I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, here it is. This is the encouragement. The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Father, we ask you to do your will and way in this service. Lord, I beg you to change us to look more like you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I've shared this before. Larry Sykes is the first person I heard say this. I don't know if he heard it from someone else, but for me it originates with Larry 
This is a part of my sermon in a sentence. Failure is not final with Jesus. God has, does, and will forgive us of our sin and will powerfully defend his righteous children. Failure is not final with Jesus. That's a good motto to memorize. God has, does, and will forgive us our sin and will powerfully defend his righteous children. We're going to end with this Psalm 54, but in that psalm, David is asking God, and this is previous to this situation. In this psalm, David is saying, judge me by thy strength. Judge me by thy strength. I'll get more into that here in just a moment. Point number one, the story and hope for sinners. We have here a very sad, sad story of a man that had it all. You know, I, I, when I go through Fox News and, and I see these sports figures, these millionaires, billionaires, these world movers and change agents, and they throw everything away because of a poor decision, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, they throw away their, their family. Uh, I, I mean, fill in the blank. I sit there and look at that and go, wow, what, what is going on? And, and the, here's the sad reality. Church, there's no sin out there that you and I aren't capable of. If that doesn't bring you to your knees, whoo, and, and, and since college, I have known my ability and, if you will, my probability of sin. And so that's why you and I have got to stay so close to Jesus. David should have been out there leading his men. He should have been the one drawing the sword. He should have been the one leading the battle or at the very worst and least directing the battle from his tent. He should have been there in his armor. In church, we've got nobody to blame on this planet but ourselves if people aren't following us because we are the people to inspire other people. Right before the third to sixth grade boys camp, God had me write this question down. What am I doing to inspire young men? What am I doing? And I'm still wrestling with that. And I'm asking all of you, let's wrestle with that. What am I doing to inspire people? What am I doing that people can look at and go, yes, that's what I want to do. You may remember a day that we as a church were hoping to be the church that other people look at. We want our church to look like that. We want our church to do that. It's not too late to keep that going. I'm not saying we're not doing it. I'm saying there's always room for improvement. And instead of David wanting to inspire men, he stayed at home and he sought for something to inspire himself. Well, I can't speak for you but Jesus going to the cross is all the inspiration I need. Every day, all day, if I will let it be. And that's the key. David quit being in awe of God. And so something else now could catch his attention. And you know, we love to say this, and it's so true. God has a thousand ways to make a way for you. 
But the reverse is true too. The devil has a thousand ways to make you fall. And we've got to be aware of that. And we've got to go through life aware of that. But watch this. There's encouragement for sinners. Nathan said, God has chosen to spare your life. One of my favorite things is is if if I can feel the pulse, there's hope. I never will forget it at Wagner's one day. An older gentleman stepped out of his car and said, How you doing? He said, Well, I woke up breathing, knew it was going to be a good day. He checked his pulse. I'm alive. Let's go. Amen. And the reality is, is that Nathan told David, God's not done with you yet. Failure is not final with Jesus. And and church... I dare say, hopefully, prayerfully, none of us will be able to ever relate to the depths of sin that David went. But you and I both know that the devil, the world, and our flesh can parade our sin around us like it's just as bad as that. And if if we're not careful, he can relegate us to our corner of the world in the name of, well, you just don't know what I've done, and there's really not much God can do with me anymore. Get out of that corner, church. Your sin is covered as far as the east is from the west into God's forgetfulness. It's over. Now it's time to move on and do what God has done for us. So point number one, the story and hope for sinners. Point number two, the reality of past forgiveness. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, actually this is 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blemish before Him in love. You and our sin was taken care of before eternity passed. Before you were a gleam in your father and mother's eyes, your sin was taken care of. Before the first particle of this world and universe was put together, Jesus was as good as dead on the cross for yours and my sin. That's what that verse is saying. Before the foundation of the world, Christ chose us. In Him, not only the reality of past forgiveness in the fact that you and I, our sin was taken care of before the foundation of the world, but our sin was taken care of at the garden. God prophesied to the devil, you will bruise his heel. He will crush your skull, her seed. Well, who's that? That's Jesus Christ. And then, of course, this is past for us On the cross. It's finished. Church, we're not looking forward to Jesus coming. We're looking back. Jesus is not just the central character of your life. Jesus is the central character of history. There is no other movement than the Jesus movement that has so marked this planet. Walmart doesn't outnumber the churches type thing. I'm telling you, that's something. That's something, and they have greeters too. Yeah. (laughs) So the, the past reality of the forgiveness of sin, point number three, the present reality of forgiveness of sin, the verse that says, behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. Every morning when you get up, you ought to say that. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. Yesterday's gone. 
Today is here. That's why they call it the present. It's a gift for you to live for Christ. How about this? Daily. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder sometimes what you guys think when I quote a verse. I wonder if you guys think, wow, that brother Ben, he's so smart. Don't you dare think that. (laughs) My wife can help you out with that. Uh Uh-uh, that ain't it. This verse is like penicillin in my veins. I got to have it. I have to have it. It's one of my drugs, if you will, that I take on a, not just daily, sometimes minute by minute. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins, to come into my heart and be my Savior. That ain't First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There you go. Watch this. I memorized that in college. Verses were so much easier to memorize in college. And I still have them, most of them. But church, if you're breathing, it's not too late to try to memorize. Now, you know what people say, Brother Ben, I can't do that. Can't never did do nothing. Can't stop it. Stop it. You've got your address memorized. You've got your phone number memorized. You've got your bank account probably memorized. You've got a bunch of stuff memorized. Watch this, church. It's all about attitude. Can I tell you something? If you write it down on a three-by-five card, nobody does that anymore, so put it in your phone. Put it in your phone and look at it every day for six months in a row. You will have it memorized. Open the Bible to it and read it aloud for six months in a row. You'll have it memorized. I'm promising you, church, we got to get the Word of God into our lives. The Word of God is the power of God. The power of God is what keeps us from sin. Now, we're talking about the forgiveness of sin, but here in a moment, we're going to talk about not sinning, (laughs) because that's where we want to get to. We want to get to not having to repent as often and the such. So we have the good news, if you will, point one, uh, the story and hope for sinners, Point two, the reality of past forgiveness. Point three, the present forgiveness of sin. And point four, the future forgiveness of sin. Church, I promise you, just as God has forgiven you of your past and he's forgiving you daily of your sin, he's going to forgive you in the future. He will. When you came to Christ, he forgave you past, present, and future. Well, how can he do that? He doesn't even know what I've done. You better believe he knows what you're going to do. He's God. He's God. He knows it all. And so he has forgiven you at each failure. Watch this. On your last day, on your last day, he's going to bring you to heaven. There's only one way that that can happen, and that's if he's forgiven you. And he has. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will not have to worry about past present, and future sin. Now, you know what all of the folks that don't agree or believe that say? Well, you can't tell people that. They're just going to live like the devil. Watch this. If you love God, you're not going to live like the devil. You're not. You're going to want to know how to not live like the devil. You're going to want to please God. Point number yeah, six. The magnitude of Christ forgiving sin. 
the magnitude of Christ's forgiving sin. So this is how you and I keep from sinning as much. We take our walks to the cross. You've heard me say this many, many times, but when's the last time you did it? I try to do it on a daily basis. I try to see in my mind's eye the bleeding, dying form of Christ and what that has done for me. Nothing else compares. Nobody loves you like Jesus does. Nobody has done for you what Jesus has done. If you will approach, and you'll probably do it on your knees, in your heart and mind, that bleeding, dying form on the cross for your sins, I promise you, you'll sin less. I promise you. Because as you do that as a practice and a discipline, when the old tempter comes, when the flesh rises up, when the world says, try it, you'll like it, the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. I I died for that. Let's let's don't go through that. I've, I've put a circle around that, Ben. I'm asking you, don't hurt yourself. I've shared with you many, many times about my hall of shame moment where I threatened my wife and kids. The only thing that has kept me from continuing to do that is the spirit and power of God. You see, church, if we will torture ourselves with the consequences of sin, we'll sin less. I can't speak for you, but I don't want to lose what I have. I don't want to lose the gifts, the blessings of God. I want to keep them because I'm so grateful and thankful for them. Watch this. You got to behave right. You got to behave right. If you want to keep those blessings, get under the spout where the glory comes out, you've got to make good choices. So the cost of forgiveness, the magnitude of Christ forgiving sin, and then, of course, the, just the egregiousness of sin. When you see sin as exceedingly sinful, you will sin less. Point number seven. And then this is the last one. If I'd have told you there were seven points, y'all would have got all sorts of mad and discouraged. I, yeah, I know you. The power of righteousness. Now, let's look at Psalm 54. You ready? Let's go to Psalm 54. I'm turning to. Psalm 54, this is a psalm that David wrote before the whole Bathsheba debacle. And uh, King David is running for his life. He's been anointed king. He is the king of Israel, but nobody else knows that type thing. Saul knows it, and he's trying to kill David. And so David is literally running for his life, and he goes to a group of people. I called them Tim. Zaths this morning, I should have looked at my notes, Ziphims, Z-I-P-H-I-M-S. They are the people, if you will, the nation that David was hiding. They went to Saul and said, we know where David's at, and we'll take you to him if you want us to. They ratted him out. Well, then somebody came to David and said, man, they just ratted you out. (laughs) Don't you love to hear stuff like that? You know, No, you don't love to hear stuff like that. And David didn't love it, and this is what he said. Save me, O God. I mean, David is crying out to God. By thy name. Hey, we had a message on that last week. And judge me by thy strength. Boy, it nailed me because I didn't know what the world David was talking about. I'm like, Lord, what, what, what in the world does that mean? 
judge me by thy strength. David doesn't need to be judged here. What, what is he saying? And so, church, I want to give you a little uh, loving, what would the word be? Advice here. Use the technology that God has given us. Use it. If you are a native to technology, use it. If you are an immigrant, if, if the Holy Spirit leads you, figure it out and use it. But watch this. Don't forget how to use the old tools because there may come a time that electronic device won't work. And you may need to run a concordance. And if you don't know what I mean by that phrase, you need to teach and train yourself with the old tools. There's about three books that every one of us ought to have in our house so that we can better study this book. And I did that in my office. I forget now what day it was this week. And I went to this commentary. I went to this concordance. I went to this. I mean, I pulled those books out. And finally, I found what I was looking for. David is saying, God, you and I are right. We are in a 100% good relationship. I'm asking you to defend me with your righteousness. Judge me by thy strength. And I know what's going to happen, Lord, because you and me are right. We talk every day. You set these people straight. Protect me from Saul. Help these Zimphaths or whatever their names are to realize they're messing with the wrong deity. Watch this, church. Do you see the confidence of that position compared to I have sinned against the Lord? Now, if you're here today and you sinned against the Lord, I want you to be encouraged. The Lord will forgive you if you'll ask him. And you need to. You need to get it straight today. Well, Brother Ben, you just don't understand. Let, let, let's sit down and understand. Tell me what's going on. Get with one of your advisors here. Figure it out. Get help. But do not sit there and wallow in your sin. Come out of it. Because watch this, church. There are circumstantial consequences that you don't want to go through that are coming because of that sin. And so repent of that sin and get over here because of a right relationship with God. And when things get tough, you cry out to God, judge me by thy power. In other words, there's another way that the Old Testament put it. He's, his eyes are searching to and fro for people that he can show himself strong on their behalf for his name's sake. Church, and I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to righteous people. I'm talking to people that love the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, we need to make sure that we're weeding and meeting out the sin in our lives. And we need to be in such a right relationship with God that when things get tough, we can say, Lord, judge me by thy power. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, this is an invitation. We're inviting you to come forward as musicians will come. Maybe you just need to make this an old-fashioned altar, whatever the case may be. Will you? Let's stand. I know some of you are just in sheer shock at the shortness of this message. That's okay. That's good for you. Don't get used to it. <laughs> Amen. We got a few other things to talk about. But let's just take our time in this invitation. Whatever you need to do, will you come?